Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Gals of Geekdom podcast. I am one of your hosts, Crystal Williams, and we're back for 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. And I am with my amazing, talented, super fun co-host, Lizzie and Jazzy. Hello. Hi. Oh, yeah, pronouns, yeah. I'm Jazzy, she, they. Oh, yeah, I'm she or he. Is a, is both both vibes. She her, sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, I feel like my pronouns recently have been fuck off. Uh, my pronouns at the end of the year were canceled. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only we can make those pronoun jokes. Right, oh, yeah. like, well, it, it's endearing when we do it because we're trans, you see. So, yeah, when we're we're, we're queer, right. by the way, we can say that word. Fuck off, yeah, bootleggers. Please, <laughs> fuck off. Uh, discourse about the word queer is very stupid, and I hate it, and it should die. It's always stupid, and it's always coming pretty much, like, completely and exclusively. From fucking cis straight, or cis straight, cis white gay men. Some straight. (laughs) And it is largely straight people, we're rewarding. But, like, it, it, it comes almost entirely from cis white gay men. Who want very badly, and also I'm gonna uh, gotta throw, gotta 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 critique the lesbians sometimes too, and very turfy lesbians. Yeah. Oh boy, oh boy, did I do? Do I know a thing about turfs <laughs> or transphobia in general? I guess we can say the animosity towards the word queer comes entirely from the fact that it is in it is an umbrella term. It is a word that lumps, it's, it's, it's an inclusive word that refers to the whole community and embody, like it by necessity, by definition, the word queer includes, includes cis, cis white gay men, cis lesbians, trans people, bi people. Well, yeah, and they don't want to include the transes. And they're mad about trans inclusion and bi inclusion. Quite frankly, you get this a lot. I think, especially from, especially from cis lesbians, you get this extreme animosity towards bi women. I don't get it. Obviously, I have to say that like every single cis lesbian has this. It's, it's like that. Of course not. Of course, of course not. But like it's this, where there is a where you find turfs in the lesbian community, you will find almost identical animosity towards bi people. Not nearly as harmful, obviously, but, like, you see it's this, it's this um, insidious separatism that is birthed by the remnants of political lesbianism from the 70s. So, very annoying. Absolutely. Older, older white people. Sometimes on Twitter I saw put it really well, which is that the thing about this quote a lot of quote unquote survivors of the AIDS crisis 
um, is that the people who survived the AIDS crisis, by and large, are the white queer people with the wealth and privilege to have to have survived it. You're not wrong. So you get this issue wherein a lot of quote unquote queer elders are not actually like in a position to be speaking on the history of struggles in our community because they were always the most privileged part of it. Um, I don't know. That's just, that's just a big part of it. It's, a, it's, I'm sorry. I know you were just trying to make a comment about the, about the word queer, but no, no, no. This is what the podcast is about. Is it embodies is like animosity towards the word queer, and there's a difference. To be clear, there's a difference between like if you are an individual person, for because different people have different degree of trauma with different words. Well, yeah, the the problem that I'm bringing up was not about whether or not individual doesn't like a certain word or label applied to them, right? It doesn't, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the, 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 and I think you, you, you're getting at this, right? It's, it's the attempt to exclude people. That's what it is. They're not really offended by it. I just want I just want to be clear, because I do think that sometimes in this conversation, individual people who have, like, just personal discomfort with being described as queer um, get a little bit um, disrespected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, I think that, that, I think that personal trauma, completely valid. Yeah. If, that, if, if queer was a word that was actively used as a slur in your childhood and in your life growing up as a teenager, what have you. So you personally just cannot find like solidarity or, or comfort in that descriptor. Nothing wrong with that. That's entirely reasonable. But the thing is, there is not a single, there isn't a word. There isn't a word to describe queerness that isn't that for somebody. Yeah. All, all of our words are slurs. All of our labels, all of our descriptors are slurs. Or have been slurs, yeah. Or have been. And it's... So this is that, that cannot be the starting point of your issue with a label, because there isn't a solution to that. Um, right. There was a television show called Queer as Folk. It's not new. It's not new. <laughs> and it's like... Cause like I know for, for me... The most derogatory thing someone could call me is a is like homosexual. There's something very clinical about that, that in a bad way. Very. Like that was always the con. That was the word. That was the word homophobes around me, and that hit my ears as a kid growing up. That was what they said. Homosexuals, and, and so it's. It's like there is nothing. There is nothing that isn't a bad word. Yeah, I don't. I don't deal with the uh, f word. I don't. I don't say it. I don't. That's something that bothers me. But I'm not going to uh, gatekeep people to not use it 
Right. You're trying to tell other queer people who have found, like, find comfort and, like, a, a reclamation in calling themselves that. I'm not going to stand there and be like, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me uncomfy, and I don't use it. <laughs> yeah, and that's that, That's completely fine. Same with the T-slur. I don't use it either. But I, I understand his reclamation as well. I mean, I have, I've... I was reading a book where it's literally just called that, and it's a memoir. But <laughs> um, we went into the queer discussion very quickly on this. I like that. Oh, we definitely did. Um, so I think we scared off all the people who would have described their show as woke in about two seconds, right? Probably. Probably. <laughs> uh, so. Radical gay politics. I guess I could talk about some trans bullshit that happened near the end of the year with me. <laughs> please do, please do. Yes. So for those who weren't following my page, I was briefly canceled. <laughs> the cancel culture has come for you. Yeah, it, and I hate using that term because I fucking hate it, but it, it it was, there's nothing else to describe it, honestly, so... What happened was basically someone presented the fact that I voiced in a yaoi game that had sex scenes in it as proof that I am not a suitable actress to voice in Inanimate Insanity, which has a primary audience of mainly teenage viewers. Now, they not only said this, if they had just left it at, I don't like the fact that this person was in a porn game is now in something for kids— fine, I wouldn't agree with you, but I get where you're coming from, you know? That's one thing. But they went a step further and basically accused me of having been notorious for animating slash drawing child porn when I can't animate or draw anything to save my fucking life, so I don't know where you got that. And claiming I had sexual interactions with minors on Twitter, where which you can find absolutely no evidence of. And no one will ever claim I, no minor will ever claim I had sexual interactions with them. This was, but it became pretty clear, like, for people who actually looked into this, like, after I said my piece and argued against it, that this was basically someone from fucking Kiwi Farms going after my ass, because two days before I had been informed that I was put on a list of people because I had supported the uh, Drop Kiwi Farms hashtag, like, from last year. Mm-hmm. So it was this whole thing that lasted for a couple days on Twitter, a few days longer on TikTok, because I guess TikTok's where you go to really fucking lie about people, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't fucking use the, I don't fucking use it. Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the TikTok and. Uh, it was very stupid. <laughs> right. And it's just it, it was baffling to me that this all. That even though there were plenty of people who didn't believe the other two claims, there were people who were getting on my ass for the fact that I was in a Yowie game and now voicing for stuff for kids when, you know, fucking I'm far from the only one who was in that game who was also in kids stuff. Fucking Sean Shiplock was in Veggie Tales and he was in the same Yowie game as me. <laughs> no one gave him shit at all. I love that for him. Versatility. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I wonder why. They yeah. Oh, yeah. Wonder I wonder. Why. I wonder why the cis male voice actor wasn't given shit for the same thing I'm being given shit for. 
It's a mystery. Uh, can't. It's just, it's hard to fathom. Like, and, and, it's and this really isn't me. Weird. I want to clarify. This isn't me throwing shade at Sean Chiplock at all. I've talked to him. Nice fucking guy. I love him. This is just me throwing shade at bullshit. <laughs> You're allowed to shade the bullshit. Yeah, the, at people who want to judge me harshly for the fact that I was in adult material and then voiced in something meant for a younger audience, but don't want to give shit to the numerous other actors who were in the same thing. Like That logic doesn't even really make sense to me. Like, have they ever heard professional voice actor, like, outtakes? Right? It's like... Yeah, I was in a game. I'll I'll say it live on air. I was in a game that had sex in it. It is a porn game. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to hide that fact about me. And this isn't something that was that I was trying to hide. The people who were the the people behind the series that they were trying to get me get me removed from were were aware of it, and they thought this was just as bullshit. Well, of course, they, like, of course they were aware of it. They hired you. Right, like, you'd have to be blind not to know what my past stuff is. It's on my, like, Camp Buddy's on my IMDb page. I was in Scoutmaster Season. Yes, I was in a game with sex with, I was in a game that had sex in it. The sex included consenting adults, so I had no objection to being in it. I don't fucking care. They were paying me. (laughs) You got know that like a lot of these most of them are just transphobic bigots but also a lot of the people who fall into this crowd with stuff like shit like kiwi farms a lot of them are children Mm -hmm. a lot of them are fucking like 15 years old and don't actually know what they're talking about at all Mm -hmm. and the thing is the thing to understand is that i'm is that i voice in numerous works um like for a variety of audiences. I have voiced, like, in games that had explicit material in it, whether it be sex or violence. My most well-known role before in Anime Insanity was a horror game where I played an attempted rapist. Why isn't it this the role I'm getting canceled for? <laughs> like, I I was voicing a character who said the line, maybe I'll fuck that sweet hairy pussy. That's not the one I'm getting canceled for! I'm getting canceled for the twink. <laughs> Wonder why? Huh? <laughs> it's so fucking hilarious. Like I was, I I wasn't laughing at the time. I was stressed and pumped full of anxiety. Like I get it. It's stressful. I've been on the uh, receiving end, not like that, but of certainly some. Things similar, and it's, uh, yeah, it doesn't make you a happy camper. <laughs> and it's because of that, I've kind of had to basically decide that for adult work, I have to do use an alias, which it's kind of sucks that I have to do that now. And I mean, if someone hears my voice, assumes it's me using an alias, and confronts me about it, I'm not gonna fucking deny it, I guess, but it's just the fact that I'm at this point where I can't do certain projects without having to hide the fact that I am in them is annoying. It's very, very annoying to be to be absolutely sure, and I'm I'm sorry about that. Yeah, and it's like I don't care that I've done games with sex in them. Like as long as it's between adults and it's consensual, I don't give a fuck. They're paying me. 
<laughs> and I think that's what they what a lot of these people re- who bought into the controversy, like as brief as it went, kind of didn't don't kind of didn't understand is that I'm a voice actress. This is what I do for a living. <laughs> like, like, and people pointed out other controversies the devs gotten to outside of the game, and it's like I don't fucking care. <laughs> like. They hired me for a role. I did the role, and that was it. That was my job. <laughs> yeah, you're just uh, you're just an actress. Right. You know? It's like it's like I don't work. I'm not an employee of the company. I'm not an employee of the dev team. I am a contractor. People, people are not very bright. <laughs> Especially not when it comes to, like, you know, the actual production of work and what goes into it. And, like, media literacy feels very dead. (laughs) Oh, there. That's a broader problem of people not actually having any idea who has what creative control over certain things. Like, you see those people, like, will blame... This is literally what happened, but you see it all the time people getting mad at actors for decisions made by writers. Right. Right, and and that that's like, what, and, and it's like, like what talking about. It's like if you have a problem with the content of the game, talk to the fucking devs. Don't talk don't talk to me. I voiced a blue haired twink that wasn't even in any of the sex scenes. I don't know why you're pitching to me. <laughs> like like the the most risque bits I was in in that game was there were two scenes. One where my character was admiring the size of another character's dick. Okay. And two was a scene where it was a bit where they were putting sunscreen on him, and it was meant to kind of be innuendo because it looked like fucking Bukake. So. Okay. Again, that's, that's that's an adult game. Yeah. Yeah, it's an adult game. Like it's and they they make they you just have to go on their website and it says like you know all the characters are are 18 and like all the characters look 18 and it's like I don't I don't get why there was just so much shit being thrown my way over it just because uh probably probably because I'm one of the only like I don't think I'm the only trans actor that actress that currently works with them on games like but I am probably one of the more prominent ones in that regard so and you also said the kiwi farm stuff right right that's the other thing is that I'm pretty I had a pretty open disdain towards Kiwi Farms and was 100% supportive of that drop Kiwi Farms movement, Kiwi Farms movement that happened last year because they had doxed me some um, a couple times prior to that. So they're going to use any tactic they can, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. you know, the people in your life know you. Right. They know, they know what you stand for. They know who you are. So right and. In fairness, this didn't affect my career negatively at the end of the day. I still have all my roles. I've never, I haven't been fired from any of them. And um, I'd even, like I said, in regards to an anime insanity, which was the big one that this pathetic attempt at get it, like getting to me, like was trying to get me removed from me. Like they were pretty clearly, like when I had talked to them, they pretty, pretty clearly said, "No, you're still on. Like this is all bullshit. This is all bullshit." This is a lot of ridiculous nonsense. Don't even. Mm-hmm. So to to the haters, to the haters, you didn't you didn't accomplish your goal. You failed. 
Next time, try getting actual evidence to help <laughs> before going after Come up with a better lie. Right, because it's like, again, if they had just wanted to start a controversy over the fact that I had been in adult material, it, they probably would have had more success. But the fact that they added this ridiculous claim that I had drawn and animated something that I didn't do and don't and don't have the skill to do because I I freely admit I'm not a artist or an animator. The whole reason I do I did voice act I started voice acting is because I, I wanted to work on cartoons, but I didn't have the patience for animate to do animation. So I mean, yeah, that they try and throw anything in the wall that sticks, but that didn't stick at all. No, 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 and it's like, it, it's so, it, yeah, that entire situation was just bizarre to go, it was stressful, but it was also just bizarre in hindsight, just the, like, just, yeah. But sure, compare Very me, weird. but sure, compare me to the first actor for Paintbrush who was an open fucking racist, sure, go right ahead and do that. <laughs> I think they were also trying to get you with the racist stuff, if I recall some of the comments, but... I don't, I don't think exactly. they... I don't entirely think they did. I know there were some people who were trying to use this as a means of get of trying to get the old actor back, not understanding that he was pretty <laughs> definitively fired. Like, uh, I'm... I don't know much about the situation that led to his firing outside of him apparently being racist. Uh, I was not part of the cast and crew when it had gone on, so it, I know probably just as much as an outsider does in that regard. But and and I kind of expected something like that to happen because when some when a voice actor gets fired for like being a problematic asshole, either like racism, sexism, or anything of that one. The internet's first fucking instinct is to go defend, <laughs> is to go up to bat for him, so. Yeah, that's true. Especially when their replacement is an openly trans individual, so. It's the, the woke. The woke. Which is hilarious to me because this, this is a non-binary character. Why are you also upset? <laughs> this is already woke to you. But it's more woke. It's adding the woke on top of the woke. The woke spoke. <laughs> oh, speaking of woke, uh-huh. uh, have you guys been following the Velma? Uh, at the Velma show. Just that I know that people hate it. <laughs> yeah, and I know, and I know people hate watched it enough to make it number one on HBO Max, which, as much as the show looks like shit to me, I gotta admit, is pretty funny. <laughs> well, wasn't, wasn't, like, wasn't it number one in animation, or was it number one overall? It was number one in animation, but it was also trending pretty high on HBO Max, so. I just was wondering, because, like, what competition is there on That's HBO Max true. anymore? <laughs> That's true. HBO Max pretty much wiped its competition just to have this cynically made animated show by someone who hates cartoons, but okay. <laughs> they also placed it at the top of the page for a while when you open the app. So that right. that also, you know. But boosts. still, I just find it funny that everyone was going on about how shitty the show looked, and then all those same people went and fucking watched it. Yeah, I don't have time to watch a show. I don't have time to watch a show that looks like garbage. I'm just gonna like, 
I don't have time to watch a show that I'm going to hate. Um, uh, not a single thing, clip, or piece of news about this show that I haven't hated. <laughs> right, yeah, no, no. Everything about it looks terrible. If I watch it, I'm probably going to hate it. None of it has to do with any of the quote-unquote wokeness of it. Is It has everything to do with the writing is fucking terrible from what I'm seeing. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I only said that because this is the thing that people keep pointing out that I think is that it is correct observation is that the show doesn't seem to understand what audience to pander to because it's full of jo- anti, it's full of actively anti-woke, like anti-me too jokes and like a lot of racist and misogynistic humor. Um, but, well, but like the people who are going to be like appealed to by jokes like that are also the people who are bitching and moaning about the fact that Velma is Indian. For Shaggy's black. For Shaggy's black. Which, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Shaggy being black is not an issue, but I hate Shaggy's redesign. I hate it, too. It's not that well, he's black. It's clearly it's not, that. not a Scooby-Doo show. Right, it right, clearly right. was something else. Right, right. Like, the design for Shaggy, it's not bad because he's black. I've seen a lot of, like, fan art that have made black Shaggy and actually looked really good. It's that nothing about this design is Shaggy. It's not Shaggy. And here's the thing. And I got really – and my friend got mad got, kind of argued with me a little bit about it. But, like, I got so frustrated when the first time I saw a clip where I heard his voice. I was like, why the fuck does his voice sound like this? It sounds because... nothing like Shaggy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's so... It's just a comedian. Mm-hmm. It's just a comedian. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Sam... be shaggy, it would be fine. But it, it doesn't... What? <laughs> Casey Kasem did not voice this character for, like, 60 fucking years and then handpick his replacement before he died. God damn, it's sitting at a 1.8 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> it's pretty low. Yeah, I, but, no, I, I, like I said, it just looked awful. The actor who plays, uh, who plays, uh, Shaggy or Norville in this is Sam Richardson. I heard about that. On the face of it, I don't have an issue in your more, quote unquote, more adults, big giant quotation marks, version of Scooby-Doo, making, having Shaggy's name be Norville is fine. That's fine. That can be funny on its own. But, like, It's not Scooby-Doo. It very clearly was right. something else, and then they wanted to get it sold, so they wrapped the Scooby-Doo IP around it to get it made. And here's the thing about it. Here's the thing. This is a show that's clearly trying to bank off the success of Harley Quinn. It's very similar uh-huh. in tone, similar idea of taking something that has had a very been around for a while and has had a general appeal in terms of audience, in terms of audiences, and make something strictly for adults. And that's fine, but the thing that they fail to understand is that the appeal of Harley Quinn is it still feels like a show from the DC universe. Like it knows the characters, it like, knows exactly how they tick. Like the animation and writing, despite being more on the comedic side, still feels like something straight out of this IP. Like I, there's never a moment where I'm watching this where I feel say like. This doesn't feel like a Batman show or a, well, it's a Harley Quinn show, but it's a show in the Batman universe. You get what I mean. 
Batman is a like there like here's the thing. Batman might be a more exaggerated um version of the character might be exaggerating some of Batman's more comedic traits from the perspective of Harley. Mm-hmm. But it's still like that's still Batman. This it's is still... important to me is the fact that Batman still saves Harley's life multiple times mm-hmm. in the Harley Quinn show. That was always a really important detail to me, and I was always happy that they kept it because I was like, yeah. Batman doesn't fucking leave people to die. No, he's a hero. It's in this darker, ed, quote-unquote, edgier, um, more, like, explicitly graphic and adult, where, like, people are dying all of the characters are dying all the time in this show. Batman doesn't, like, just leave Harley to die. So it's like it's an, it's important character details like that, and the part of what has me like annoyed about this is the fact that you can make like I have no issue with you making an adult version, an adult show, a, a Scooby Doo show or movie for adults. I have zero issue with. No, I mean they they already did a pretty good job with the crossover with Supernatural. I mean, <laughs> and like even. Here's the thing. First of all, just as a starting point, you could easily make a more, like, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated was kind of already um, aiming more for, like, teenagers than little kids. But it's like, you can you can make an adult version of Scooby-Doo that isn't, like, edgelord bullshit, but even then, you can make a really good, really funny, edgelordy version of Scooby-Doo that's not terrible, that is actually... A version of Scooby Doo. There's a lot of potential, but they—that—that's not what the show was. The thing that like, I went on this thing about on, on Twitter, and I was like, "Here's the thing." At the end of the day, is that like if you're, if the thing you're making doesn't jive with the talking dog, you're working in the wrong property. Like James Gunn was never gonna cut Scooby. even when the script even in the original script for Scooby-Doo that came back with an R rating and they were like you gotta make this more family friendly like Scooby was still there (laughs) like you wanna make your adult edgelordy version of Scooby-Doo where like it's explicitly edibles the Scooby Snacks are explicitly supposed to be edibles, and like Shaggy is high all the time, and Velma and Daphne are lesbians and they're dating. I'm like, yes, do it, love it, hilarious. But like, just, but do that, not whatever this is. And also, and lean into the characters. I hate this thing where they've got Fred being like this useless epitome of white male privilege. And, like, being a douchebag, hate it. Hate it. It feels like it actively hates the thing it's trying to yes. spin off from. It definitely feels like it doesn't respect the Scooby property. And it's like, if you don't like, I'm not saying you have to like Scooby-Doo. No, exactly, like, yeah. Like, I, I've seen plenty of people say they fucking hate Scooby-Doo, and I get why. It's not for everyone. It's lasted years, and you can't really last that long without having some people dislike it. <laughs> um, 
but if you that this is where my confusion lies. If you don't like Scooby Doo, why are you making a Scooby Doo series like based off of any of the characters? <laughs> like, and I think it goes back to what you said, Crystal, where this was clearly supposed to be something else that they just made connected to Scooby Doo to get attention. Yeah, they wanted to make it. It sounds like they wanted to make an original animated comedy, and then couldn't get it off the ground because it probably wasn't a very good idea. So they just wrapped wrapped the IP around whatever show it used to be and then are attempted to position this as the next Harley Quinn because Harley Quinn is a surprise success. Right, and it's like, here's the thing. Like, and the thing is, I don't like Mindy Collins' humor. I've never found her that funny. I don't even think she's that good of a voice actress. I always felt like with something like Inside Out, she was always the weakest performance in a ca- in in a cast that just was dead on. And that the this poor voice acting kind of stretches here. I think she's a terrible Velma. Like <laughs> like I have like every other actress I've ever heard for Velma is so much better than her because they're playing a character. Right, this version's just her, isn't it? Yeah, it's the self. It's I hate I hate having to use this term, but yeah, it's a self. It's a self insert. And listen, listen. I'm trying to be not too angry about the fact that Velma doesn't sound anything like Velma because I had I had that initial issue with Harley with the Harley Quinn show too. I'm being like, why is Kaylee Coco just using her regular voice? Mm-hmm. But that grew on me a lot because the Harley Quinn show was really, really good. And even though she wasn't really doing the Harley Quinn voice, Haley Kyoko was giving a really great performance. Right. It seemed like she cares about the character. She characterized Harley really, 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 really well. And the voice got that, like, the voice, like, she sounded more and more like the character as the show went on. So I'm trying to not be annoyed by that specifically, but. <laughs> Like if you're gonna make Velma your lead character, you gotta. She's got to be. She's gonna sound like fucking Velma. Like, I'm watching. Uh, I. I feel like it feels like the more edgier take on her currently fairly popular Netflix show, uh, Never Have I Ever. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen that. I actually know nothing about that one. I know I'm more familiar with the sex lives of college girls. Oh, okay. It's a uh, high school comedy. I would say it aims for like a PG-13 rating, probably, um, about a young Indian girl in high school and relationships and love. And Mindy Kaling is the main writer-creator on the show. And that show most of the time works, but I feel like this new Velma show feels like her worst comedic qualities ratched up to 10, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, at least Never Have I Ever has those moments where I'm like, eh, but it, like, it also has very sweet moments. So maybe it's the writing team that she has for that one. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I... You can see this with Tina Fey, too, is you can tell her Tina Fey's best properties and stuff where she's not the... She's clearly not the only writer in the room. Yeah. Like Kimmy Schmidt? Yeah. The thing about Kimmy Schmidt is you can always tell what bits Tina Fey wrote. 
and which bits someone else wrote. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, like, but better comedies, people. <laughs> don't understand um, <laughs> how good and wonderful your weird cultural appropriative yellow face material actually is. They just don't get it. Eesh. Eesh. <laughs> That's a very uncomfortable episode of Schmidt. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. There's a lot of, I like that show, but there's a lot of yikes. <laughs> Very much a lot of yikes stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I always, I have mixed feelings. I think it's, I think Kimmy Schmidt can be very funny. I guess it always got to me a little bit that it wasn't really leading it. I always wish that the show would be, would, would characterize Kimmy less as like a nine year old in an adult's body. Mm hmm. And more like an adult who's gone through a trauma. Yeah. And it always got to me. I was always like, why is this, is the show, like, like, the show is acting like this. Yes, this is what would happen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a goofy take on that, for sure. <laughs> but like, you think about it, it's horrible. <laughs> she's not just, like, a sheltered kid. Jazzy, have you ever seen any of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt or any of that? No. Okay. Do you know what it is? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is that Kimmy Schmidt um, was kidnapped at age, like, 10, 11, something like that, by a crazy man who kidnapped her to be one of his wives, along with, like, three other women, and kept her hostage for, like, 15 or 20 years in an underground bunker Telling her and all of the other women in the bunker that they were uh, that, that the world had ended, that there'd been a biblical apocalypse. What? And and Kimmy Schmidt, like the, the the show is about Kimmy like readjusting to society as an adult after being rescued. What? It's a it's a very goofy comedy with a dark premise. Okay. Uh, it's, it's very, it's very silly. Uh, it's like a cartoon, essentially. Gotcha, gotcha. It's not a cartoon, but it's got like the, the logic and the... I, I the, got what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's got some genuinely really funny parts and moments, but there's definitely some very yikes material in there too. <laughs> um... What was the last the last thing that they did was like a choose your own adventure movie. Did you see that? No, I think I fell off after season. It was pretty much the finale. Well, I, I mean, they 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 ended, but it was like a finale finale. You know. Yeah. Hmm. I guess they were attempting the. Uh, it's when all the Netflix shows were attempting that uh, choose your own adventure sort of um, concept. Right. Like, I think, um, was it Black Mirror did one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did see the Black Mirror one. I forget what, uh, what was it? It's on the tip of my tongue. I know the name. Don't tell me. Uh, 
<laughs> no, I trust me. I I blink too. <laughs> I'm still. I'll figure it out. It's uh uh. uh <laughs> um. It's... Oh. <laughs> Do you remember? Oh oh, Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Yeah. I knew it was something from the Jabberwock poem. I was like. <laughs> okay. Did you do you saw that one? Yeah, I did. Um, I hadn't did watched you like much, it. Yeah, I hadn't watched much Black Mirror, but I saw this with um friends when I was um visiting them like a few years ago, and yeah, I, I liked it. It was pretty cool. I thought it was neat, and the directions it went were pretty fucky, and I loved it. And it's kind of amazing to think that the director of this, David Slade, went from Eclipse to this. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Sandy Napero episode of Black Mirror? I've never seen any of Black Mirror. I still need to watch anything of Black Mirror that isn't Bandersnatch, honestly. Okay. Watch watch the Sandy Napero episode. Okay. Because gay. Because gay, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard about it. (laughs) Yeah, I've always been not really... I need to show you. Girlfriend still. Fuck, I have to watch that one. I've always been kind of put off by Black Mirror. I don't know what it is. Just something about it. Makes me go, eh. (laughs) I don't know. I've never had strong feelings one way or the other. I haven't seen a lot of episodes of it. Yeah. I guess I understand what about it is different from just, like, the Twilight Zone. It's an anthology horror show that's all about technology, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's fine. I watched the creep show on Shudder, and I kind of prefer that more. <laughs> uh, I love the creep show show. Oh, my gosh. I need to... I need, I'm need. behind two seasons on that, but the first season was damn fun. <laughs> Got some cool monster and gore effects, too. Or at least, like, very goofy stuff, you know? Yeah. Give me a goofy comedy with like some really cheesy practical effects and I'm in for it, you know? Yeah. Oh, we were talking about the uh, choose your own adventure stuff. Have you seen any of you seen Kaleidoscope yet? No, I have not. I have not. Okay, I, I'm watching it in an order that this article, like, there was an article that, that talked about how they watched it, and then at the last bit they're like, I don't know if you know the concept. Do you know the concept? No. Okay, so Kaleidoscope is a um, a heist show starring Giancarlo Esposito, um, and uh, I mean that 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 kind of a, one of the reasons why it sold it for me because it's like oh he's great he plays like he, it's one of the few shows I've seen where he gets like basically the main protagonist role, um, but yes he is orchestrating a heist and the show each episode takes place at a different time period, uh, whether it be way before the heist happens or like like a couple weeks before, uh, 24 years before, you know, just it, it sort of like is not necessarily in order. Um, and the idea is that every person who goes into their Netflix account will have the order of the episode changed, uh, order of the episodes changed on them, except white is the last episode, but like everyone's supposed to have a different experience in how they view the show. Hmm. I like um, that. That sounds neat. It's cool. You can, like, I see people 
organize it into like chronological order. And you know it's like what order it is because like the beginning of the episode would literally say blank time before the heist. And then it'll get into the episode. Um I am doing an order that that does um it does a so like I chose to do an order that someone said that they wish they had done it. Um because my fir- the first episode I watched started with the John Carlos character like basically gathering everybody like for the heist. That's where it starts to introduce all the characters. And then the second episode went back 24 years to explain who he was and his relationship to the person that they're going to try and do the heist on and how that sours. And then it went back, the, the third episode went back to basically the modern time. And so, like, I guess the order I'm doing is where it's like flashback, modern, flashback, modern. Um, but um, everyone's going to have a different viewing and order and it's it, I want I'm very curious how how uh, what other people think in which way that they they took the story. It's very interesting. Sounds mind fucky. I it wish Netflix did more things like that that like utilized the advantage. Like I wish streaming services. That's what I'm saying. I, w- I wish this wasn't just a rare occurrence. So, speaking of mind fucky, I've started I've been really catching up on a lot of 90s anime recently, and one I've been watching is Neon Genesis Evangelion. It's a mindfuck. <laughs> I heard that's a happy show. Oh, very happy. Not depressing at all. No characters dealing with trauma at all. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, good. I need that in my life. <laughs> but no, I, I really like it so far. I'm in the second half, and that's where the show starts getting into the mindfuck. The first half is kind of a standard mecha anime type thing. And I still dug it for what it was, but now I'm in the second half, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? So it's, uh, you know, <laughs> just rainbow and sh- sunshine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And it's also funny because um, I'm watching, since I'm watching it on the Blu-ray that was released last year, it has the, the, um, the, 2020 cast um used for the uh netflix release uh, like 2020 dub used for the netflix release of the show and i gotta say it ain't too bad so far it's quite good but it's funny because i know two because i know two people in the dub <laughs> one is a, one is oh. a director i've worked with and the other is one of my acting teachers <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> so that was kind of funny i was pleasantly surprised with that um wasn't like weren't people upset when they did that yeah, but I understand why, because the, um, the original dub was made close to around the time the original anime was made, and late 90s, early 2000s dubbing was always kind of iffy, but, and I, but I think now people have kind of warmed up to the newer dub, because the cast members of the older dub got a chance to reprise their characters for Amazon's dub of the Rebuild films, because I guess the Rebuild films are not dubbed by Netflix, the, the, the ownership of all these fucking Evangelion stuff is so confusing. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, so I guess when people saw that they that the old actors were given a chance to at least play these characters again in something new, I think people have kind of warmed up to the newer dub, honestly, and it's not a bad dub, honestly. I quite like it, and I appreciate that they got a um, non-binary actor, uh, Casey Mangelo, to voice the main character, Shinji. That's cool. That's very cool. Oh, absolutely. 
play. Um, I, all the performances are honestly pretty great all around. So I don't really just speaking as someone who has no nostalgic connection to Evangelion or its original dub. I think this dub's pretty great, and I can't wait to continue on. Though I've heard the last two episodes of Evangelion are infamously shit to the point where the film, the end of Evangelion, is apparently a glorified do-over. Oh, <laughs> so. Thankfully, the set that I got comes with End of Evangelion, so. That's, so they released a big set? Yeah, yeah, like, basically the set that I got from, um, it was, re- it was released by, uh, G-Kids and Shout Factory, so, you know, it's Oh, it's a Shout release. Yeah, that yeah. is good quality. I was like, um, okay, yeah. Yeah, it comes with all 26 episodes of the anime, both in the newer Netflix dub and the original Japanese release. Um, it comes with a bunch of special features. I think there's some cast interviews, uh, and it comes with two films. One is, from what I can tell, just a glorified recap, and the other is end of Avon, the the end of Evangelion. So, you know what? With uh, physical releases, I know you you do some shopping and collecting. Um, I found I was directed to a, a site um, called Hamilton Book. Have you heard of that? Sounds familiar. Okay, yeah. Um basically it's uh um very cheap but like actual new quality releases of like mostly books, but they've got Blu-rays and DVDs. Um I guess I'll have to send a link to you, but like some of the prices are uh are kind of insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'll Blu-rays keep... as low as like one to two dollars, you know? Oh dang, I'll have to I'll have to check that out. Um especially after I get cause I cause uh Someone got a hold of my card info and I lost two hundred dollars, so I gotta get that oh, resolved. No. Oh my god! Someone, uh. someone got a hold of my debit card info, and because this was like in the middle of Christmas, and because they did it over a course of like fourteen dollars at a time mm-hmm. over a month, I didn't even notice until like the end of December. And what they doing? Seven, they like a subscription sample. I don't fucking know. I looked at when I went to go check after Christmas, sometime between Christmas and New Year's. I went to go look at my bank account, check my what my status of money was, um, and I noticed a charge from this place called Cafe Rio for like forty bucks, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck that is. And I went to Google it, and it was this location in fucking Salt Lake City, and I was like, what the fuck? is this and I went through my oh, account and I was God. like weird and I went through and I found like once I added it together over seven hundred dollars of money charged to whatever the fuck that was. Oh jeez. I could account for everything else. All of my other transactions in my account I was like I remember what all of the, what that is. I got it all back thankfully and I called the bank and I was like I don't know what the fuck this is. They were like okay we'll refund all of that and I was like <laughs> okay. Well that's good. Yeah. They don't always do that. So. Yeah, I was, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. That's not fun. Sorry to cut you off at all, Jazzy. I was just like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I've heard a lot of people have been going through, like, stolen card info. So, like, like a, a lot of friends have been relating to me in that regard. So. That I mean, I, I it should be okay. I'm getting a new card in the mail, and they're and they're investigating the transactions. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll get the two hundred back in soon enough. Hopefully soon. Hmm. 
Um, but yeah, it's, but yeah, but yeah, in regard, but yeah, also, but yeah, definitely Evangelion's very mindfucky. I've been getting back into a lot of 90s anime recently, most, like, especially stuff I've watched previously. I've been going through the original Sailor Moon, which is always a fucking joy, so. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, I've not seen Sailor Moon since the 90s. Sailor Moon yeah. is just enjoyably corny, and I love it. Well, that's good. Are you watching, like, the dub of it? Like, the American dub of that? Or, like, the like, uh, in the time? Or is it, like... It's the more recent Viz dub, so... Oh, is it, like, supposed to be better? Y- yes. Um. So, in the, in the 2010s, Viz Media got the rights to dub Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon Crystal, specifically. But they got, like, basically the entire IP. So they figured, hey, why don't we also go back and dub the original? Because we can, we have it, and the original dub cut out a lot. So, so okay. basically, the Viz dub is a dub of Sailor Moon that basically retains everything that the original '90s dub cut out. And yes, that it does include that does include the gay character. So, gay, gay. Like the first hell, the first thing they said before anyone even asked was, "Yes, we're keeping Uranus and Neptune as a couple." Yay. Didn't they change them to, like, this, uh, were they related? They, yeah. yeah, in the original dub, they I made them cousins. cousins. <laughs> okay. All right. And it's really fucking weird. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> they don't, there's no context where they act like cousins or their relationship or with other, fan, with, like, other people would imply that they're cousins. No, no, no. The thing about the original 90s dub that made the whole cousins thing egregious is, so they called them cousins, but they didn't cut out the more intimate moments between the two. <laughs> so, so their their so, logic was incest, fine. Yeah, so but basically, geez, no. <laughs> so basically, everyone, it took people no time at all to figure out that these two were not cousins initially and were supposed to be a lesbian couple, so... It's a very fun part of childhood lore. It's the kind of thing people would whisper on the playground for me when I was a kid. Like, did you know? If, you, if anybody talked about Sailor Moon, I'd be like, did you know? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because, um, it's just funny because the whole cousins thing is such an egregious change that it's now kind of, it's a, it's a fa- very famous in-joke in the Sailor Moon fandom. Like, if there's ever an instance of, a character of this showing interest in another character of the same gender. People always joke. It's like, oh, they want to be cousins. <laughs> and they were roommates. And they were roommates. Oh, oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> but um, uh, it's funny. I I watched a lot of. I've been watched going through a lot of '90s anime that I haven't watched anything from this current year. Until I found out that Berserk Memor- Memorial, there was a new Berserk anime, Memorial Edition, and it got a fucking English dub starting today. You bet I was going in to watch that shit. Oh, nice. I need to go back to watching some anime. It's been it's been on the back burner for me for a bit. No, basically, so the dub of Berserk Memorial Edition is basically a whole new Berserk series using a combination of reused clips from the animated film adaptations of the Golden Age arc while also using new footage. 
But the thing about the English dub is they brought back a lot of the talent that were that played these characters in the original dub of the 1997 anime. Mm-hmm. So like all these actors who I have no who I so closely associate with these roles are back, and by God, everyone sound like everyone sounds so perfect. I like Mark Darius and his guts. I honestly can't imagine anyone else playing him. So happy hearing Kevin Collins back as Griffith. So. So you recommend I check out Berserk? Uh, yes, whether it be the 97 anime or the Memorial Edition as it's coming out. Uh, the I'll say this, more, because Memorial Edition uses a lot of the footage from the Golden Age films, those, are, those films are about to become obsolete. I see. And avoid the 2016 anime, because the 2016 anime is fucking horrendous. Well, that's a shame. Is it like an adaptation of the same thing, or is it like a continuation? It was an attempt at a continuation, but okay. here's but there were a lot of problems. They it primarily used CGI anima- CGI as opposed to hand drawn animation, which in and of itself isn't bad, but the CG looked really fucking bad on this show. Mm, that's a shame. And um I can't even say the dub was that good because they pretty much replaced all the voice actors and while they're all talented, none of them, in my opinion, could live up to the ninety seven cast, so mm. Which is why it was so fucking amazing to hear that the 97, like, a good chunk of the 97 cast was coming back for Memorial Edition, so. That's good. They probably knew. <laughs> they knew. Yeah, yeah, they knew. And, like, they knew what a fucking upstart that's, like, the not having them in 2016 started, though, in my opinion. They dodged a fucking bullet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, did you see that there's a new, uh, speaking of anime... I think the next one I might watch is, but I don't know if it's going to be good. They're doing a new Junji Ito anime on Netflix. Um, separate. Separate from the, uh, Uzumaki one that they're doing with, um, which I've been really hyped for, that they're doing with, uh, Adult Swim, but this is, uh, Maniac. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. It's weird because I don't watch a whole lot of more recent anime. It takes me a while to get to them. So, like, Again, Berserk is probably the Memorial Edition is probably the first time in a while where I was I am invested in watching a new anime as it comes out. Like all it had to be was new Berserk material with the old cast back. Like like candy to you. Yeah, like Mark Darius in his guts to me is is he's as iconic to that role as someone like Kevin Conroy is to Batman for me. Oh wow, that's a, that's where, high praise. Where the voice is and performance is so distinct and so synonymous with the character that I just hear it when I'm just reading the manga. Like that voice is guts to me. Yeah, no, I get that. It's like uh, Steve. Uh, was it? Or to use an or to use another anime example, I guess you could say he's as iconic to that role as. Um, Sean Schemmel is to Goku, so. Yeah. Where, like, they've just played it for so long and they become so synonymous with the role where it's, like, just so difficult to imagine anyone else playing them. Kind of like Steve Bloom as Spike. Yes, that too. Yeah. That's another one. Steve Bloom as Spike is another case where it's hard to imagine anyone else playing that role. I mean, he's phenomenal, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's like, oh my god, I'm that's definitely going to be something I'm watching every Saturday is Memorial Edition, especially because um, I haven't watched the Japanese release just because I'm 
if there is a dub available for animated stuff, I, that's how I prefer watching. Mm. But um, I do hear that they did finally adapt certain scenes from the manga that weren't adapted in previous um, goes at it before, and I'm so fucking hyped to see to hear about that because there are some scenes in the manga that are so fucking good that I've always wanted to see them adapted to animation. That's cool. Like I said, I need to um, I need to worm my way back into anime watching. I've been uh, I've been distracted with other things. I finished Arcane finally. Jeez, it took me forever. Oh, awesome! <laughs> Arcane was awesome. Uh, I loved it. I love the characters. I love the the how nuanced they were. Um, I've never played League of Legends. I don't even know what League of Legends really is, <laughs> besides of the game. So, um, and I still found myself enjoying every minute of it. I don't think I missed anything by not knowing. You know, my best friend also has never played League of Legends and is obsessed with Arcane and keeps trying to get me to watch it, so. Arcane is very good. It's got good characters. It's got some, uh, it's got some, um, queer stuff. Uh, oh, I hear. Yes. It's got some queer stuff. Um, it's got, it's got, it's got some really good twists you don't really expect. Um, I, I liked it. Even like the villain characters are given like, like full, they're well-rounded. You know, like they're not just like I am evil for the sake of being evil. It's like I am evil, but like my intentions are good, or I have someone I love, or you know, <laughs> nuance. Nuance is good. It's well written. You should check it out. The animation is gorgeous too. Even though it does feel sometimes they like they've got like licensed music and sometimes it'd be like yeah you're gonna like oh we're watching the show and it's like oh this now you're gonna watch a two minute music video mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not necessarily a bad thing it's just like it gives the animators something to like to to spread their like I don't know show their abilities um, but it definitely does come out of nowhere sometimes we're like oh okay <laughs> so. The, I mean, the theme song is Imagine Dragons, so. Hell yeah. So, that's... It's only nine episodes, far for watch. Um, I feel like... I feel like we're seeing a few uh, animated things. I'd like to see more, but that are aiming for, like, not the normal standard 20 to 30 minutes, but more like 35 to 50 minutes, you know? Arcane is, like, what you find in a typical hour-long drama. Same with, like, Invincible. Have either of you seen Invincible? No. Bits and, pie- bits, bits and pieces. Okay, it's awesome. Uh, you both should probably check it out. Um... I don't know. My favorite new thing I've watched in the last month, weirdly enough, is the um, violent, sexy David Harbour Santa Claus movie. (laughs) Violent Night? Yeah. It's really fucking good. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to so bad. Really good. It's it's just a really, really good Christmas movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I know sounds kind of ridiculous, but, like, I don't... 
I heard it's very sweet, actually. It is. It's so sweet. And it's because, okay. It is a very, very, just very sweet movie. I, it, 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 it's such a good Christmas movie. It's about the importance of, like, believing in the magic of Christmas. Okay. Like, <laughs> while, while beating the shit out of bad people, right? This is probably, I think this is officially my favorite, like, deadly Santa Claus movie. Of well, which that's a very popular subgenre. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Come on, this is absolutely every conceivable way. And I love those movies; they're terrible <laughs> in every conceivable fashion. This is a better movie. <laughs> also, I want to make this clear because this is something I think people have forgotten as as quote-unquote action movies have gotten more and more like pg 13 over the last 20 years. Just because something is really graphic and violent doesn't innately make it a horror movie. Um, violent Night's not a horror movie. I mean, it, it's I, an action movie. <laughs> an action movie and as a film like as a film i would much i, I would actually isn't it pretty much die hard with santa yes I was gonna yeah say, okay much yeah then i would violent night deadly night i would much sooner compare this to everly or die hard okay yeah it's 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 an argument that die hard's a christmas movie but this is actually a christmas it's movie. actually a fucking christmas movie it's really really <laughs> great david harbour is playing santa claus and he's not playing he's not playing a guy dressed as santa no he's santa santa claus <laughs> um and in this movie santa claus is a fucking viking hmm. okay so, we don't really know how he became Santa, but we know that before he was Santa, he was Nikolai the Red. Okay. That he was a really violent um, berserker Viking. That's how they explain it. <laughs> okay. I I I I, uh, I got a I got an email for. Sometimes I get emails from movie companies because I'm still on the press list for Comic-Con about getting product requests. So there's a potential I might get a Blu-ray copy or if not a digital copy of the movie. So fingers crossed that I get that so I can watch it. Hell yeah. And he had a, he had a favorite hammer and it was called Skull Crusher. And he explains this on the walkie talkie. So the thing is that, okay, the premise of the movie is that this this exceedingly rich family like, our cartoonishly rich family who own, own a fucking arms company, I want to make this clear, so they had to make the bit. <laughs> it's an obscenely rich family, but in the family includes, like, a super innocent, precious, like, six-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Who's just the best person in the world because she's a child and she's little and she's sweet. Um, <laughs> um, they get um, raided on Christmas Eve by... Um, John Leguizamo <laughs> and his group yeah. of uh, mercenaries who they had to make like card because like I said, like this is such an obscenely rich at like asshole rich family. They had to make the people at home, the home invaders like cartoonishly evil. I mean, if you have a movie about Santa Claus beating the shit out of people, your villains have to be just as cartoony. 
Like, Absolutely. Yeah, but, but like the thing, because I, I, the thing about it is that if the, if they had, like, they had to be like, yes, I cannot wait. I, like, they had to be talking about cutting open the skull of this six-year-old girl. And oh she, wow! Like, they had, like talk like because they re, because this is the thing is this family it's like the the money that they're trying to steal is three hundred million dollars that they stole from the U.S. government because the fam, the company was officially given given. The money for arm for black black op arms dealerships in the Middle East, and then the family stole that money. So, like, you gotta make for me to not want you to we do not for me to give a shit about whether or not these people die. You had <laughs> you had to make them like so cartoonishly evil. It was insane, but they're a really fun time, and the Santa happens to be. To, to be in the house when they invade. And so the movie follows Santa Claus talking to this little girl on a walkie-talkie the whole night, trying to save her, really her, not the rest of her family quite so much. But he does save the whole family, trying to save her from the the home invasion. And it's really fucking good. They use Santa's superpowers, as it were, um, they use his, like, Christmas magic in a way that's really entertaining and creative. Um, the kills and the action is really, really well well um, created. The effect, from, the, effect from, scene, the practical from, effects of the movie are great. The, uh, the fight scenes are just re- phenomenally choreographed. From what I know, it's the same team that did, uh, like, John Wick and Nobody, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not, that's not surprising, then. It's always fun for me. I always, and this is not um, me saying that Marvel movies are terrible. I love a lot of Marvel movies, but there's something really refreshing about seeing a movie where the choreography is like genuinely staged. Mm-hmm. Did you see? Did you see Nobody? Like, by the way, in this super physical space, and I can follow it. <laughs> right. Did you see Nobody? By the way, I didn't. I need no. to. Okay. Uh, Bob Odenkirk kicking ass. Uh. Totally worth it. Same team who did Violent Night and John Wick, so totally worth your time. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I uh, I love the, I love that that this team is doing these really cool little action movies that are, like you said, extremely well choreographed and thought out and like exciting. It is. It's very exciting. Like. This is the pro- like this is one of the bigger problems with Marvel movies. They've got a lot of strengths, but one of their weaknesses is innate to the to its the premise of its existence. But it's just like the action is so generic and so blatantly done, and in a in a green screen in one of those green screen rooms, mm-hmm. and. Like, it's so hot. Like, you don't really follow it. It's not nearly as amazing, as as cool to watch as, like, genuinely watching David Harbour take a Christmas tree star, stick it in a guy's eyeball, and then plug that into the wall so that his head explodes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a very cool practical effect, and it's cool to be able to, like, follow the action so succinctly. Like, it's just very good. I, I love a really good action movie. <laughs> it's just a great action movie. I had so much fun with it. 
I saw a reaction movie recently. I saw Police Story, Jackie Chan. Uh, um, some of the greatest stunt and effects work, stunt and choreogra- choreography I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I saw, <laughs> I, I saw an animated movie that had action scenes in it recently, uh, Puss Which and Boots The Last Wish. I saw a clip of the first scene, but I didn't want to see too much of it because I didn't want to be spoiled, it, but that looks amazing. It's really good. The anime, I am so happy at what Spider-Verse has brought on to this industry. <laughs> like, it's, it's, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, there's a video on YouTube I ran into. I should probably send yeah, it to you. It talks about, re- like, the Spider-Verse sort of effect that's happening yeah, right now. Yeah, the animation looked pretty. I liked the story. I liked the themes it dealt with. I thought the voice performances were all great, especially from um, Antonio Banderas, Selma Hayek, and uh, John John Mulaney. I, sw- I know people mention Death as, like, one of, the, one of the best villains ever, and he totally is. He's, like, he's the best villain in the movie. But I still got to give a good honorable mention to John Mulaney as uh, Jack Horner because as a villain, he was fucking hilarious. I'll, uh, I, uh, I really need to see this. It's on my, uh, must watch. I like the first one. It's been a while, but I remember the first one being pretty good. Did I never saw, I never saw the first one. I saw this as kind of its own thing, so. I'm, I might go see it tomorrow, because I haven't been to the movies in a minute, and I have nothing to do. <laughs> right you now, probably, break. You should probably go do that. Yeah. I might. I've, uh, I mean, I heard it's good, so. Um, I also want to shout out quickly. Uh, we I brought this up before the podcast. Uh, Kevin Williamson, who wrote Scream, has a new writ, script, uh, film he wrote called Sick, and it's a slasher movie. Uh, it's if Scream was about COVID instead of. You know, the horror movies. So a person I trust to make a solid movie about COVID. It's Kevin Williamson, who has always been <laughs> good at having his finger on the pulse of what it is people need to hear about a particular issue. Yeah, it's uh, it feels uh, it feels relevant. Um, I wouldn't say this is like on the pulse. I would say as like Scream was about necessarily like horror like horror like it's not the same um but i i will say that it, it it definitely has enough of that satirical edge that he brings to comment on it in a very fun and interesting way the chase sequences are incredible i'm not gonna spoil anything but like you know this the screen films have great sequences of being chased by the killer this movie has some amazing ones too <laughs> oh good i'm excited yeah, it's very fun. It's uh, it's not like gonna like blow your socks off. It's not on a scream, but it's definitely a really good streaming fun time horror movie on Peacock. So check it out. I'm uh, I I I give it the uh, seal of approval. Hey. Oh, um, and I think um, before we go, I guess we were gonna talk about this. Um, so Glass Onion was amazing. <laughs> Oh, it was. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that movie was, uh, was phenomenal. I, uh, and I really love that it made a certain percentage of people upset. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I, 
I thought it was absolutely outstanding. I loved every minute of it. I, I've seen it twice now, and I will say the second time watching it is is as is it it's 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 a such as fresh an experience as the first time just for different reasons okay so i've seen it four times now not really because i wanted to see it four times but um because i saw it when it was in theaters in that very brief window of two weeks when it was out i saw it in the theater and it was great and i had a really fun time and then my girlfriend wanted to see it, so I showed it to her as soon as it came out. And my mom wanted to see it, so I showed my mom both of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then my brother was watching it, and so I sat and I watched it with him. So I – it holds up very good on multiple viewings. Absolutely. And on a second – especially on a second viewing, it's really, really fun to sit and be like – Oh, oh no, they get because they did in fact give you like I like you know Ben Shapiro is full of his bullshit about like well good it's only good because of the the information it's withholding from you. With first first of all, yeah, Ben, it's a mystery. It's based on it's I'm withholding information from you. <laughs> but also like the show like they're not the, the movie doesn't withhold nearly as much information as people as you assume it was the first time you watch it. When you're watching it a second time and you know what twists to maybe be paying attention for, the movie's actually giving most of it to you. It's there. And what you're saying is that there's a lot of people who aren't very smart. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is Ben Shapiro is not very smart. Really? Oh, well, Really? Just blowing the minds out here with my hot takes. <laughs> but he is the smartest. Have you ever heard how fast he talks? That must mean he's super smart. Smart boy. Smart okay. smart people only yeah. speak really fast. <laughs> I still so self own that I love more than anything else is him te- <laughs> admitting on Twitter to the whole world that he he doesn't, that his, his wife doesn't, his wife does not get aroused while having sex with him. <laughs> He's never seen a WAP in his life. <laughs> no, he doesn't call it a WAP, he calls it a uh, wet-ass P-word. What? <laughs> 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 That was my uh, Ben Shapiro impression. Uh, I'll be taking. I'll be uh, giving classes next. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite part of the movie was Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson was hilarious. Um, I want I just, her dress. I want the rainbow dress so bad. I just love uh, Ben Wallach. <laughs> Are you talking about the scene where he says, "No, it's just dumb." Yeah, yeah, that scene. <laughs> I I love him. I love Daniel Craig in this role. Every scene. With him is a fucking joy, and that's probably why I adored this movie. Um, Edward Norton made for a good Elon Musk stand <laughs> And it's the fact that apparently he wasn't specifically written to be Elon Musk. That just makes it fucking funnier. It's Elon made himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> he made himself that character. 
Right, it's kind of amazing because, like, it wasn't meant to be, but the writing and Norton's performance still matches it perfectly. (laughs) Hell, even one of the pictures they have of him in the movie is supposed to be, um, I forget her name, but it was that, like, famous woman who had that, like, fake... fake... The fake pharmaceutical... Right, that there's that one picture of him wearing a black turtleneck, and it's like the same exact like picture. Hmm. Um. Oh, also, Catherine Hahn was immensely entertaining as she always is. Everyone was great. Like, yeah, we could sit here and go forever about. <laughs> well, yeah. no, everyone in the cast was fantastic. And Norton's yeah. great. Um. Janelle Monae, okay, I, can I actually, I don't mean to be negative at all because this is such a fun movie, um, but I'm gonna complain about something. Oh no. <laughs> Not Janelle Monae's performance, which was phenomenal and great. Um, but I saw a take on Twitter that was like really aggressively arguing for like, it is essential that Janelle Monet carry on as the Watson. And I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> I, I'm not, I wouldn't be angry about it because if that were the choice that Ryan Johnson made, I have faith that it would be for a good reason and that he would pull it off. But it's not a necess- it's not a necessity. It's no, she's she's Sienna Darmas, you know, of this movie essentially. Like she is that stand in character. Yeah, like Helen's story like sorry, spoilers, I guess. Helen's story is done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like it's fin her arc is finished. And if you were to carry on and I, I like if you were to keep to bring her along for more sequels, I feel like that would cheap run, man. It would get it get it would get dragged down to focusing so much on the dynamic between Benoit and Helen that we would lose the thing that's really fun about these movies, which is Benoit bouncing off of these new characters. Wait, just Benoit being dropped in different situations. Yeah, and it's another thing, and this is another thing that I think people are missing. Yes, I understand that both of these movies have the occasional Sherlock and Watson like references, but this Knives Out, both of these movies are not Sherlock Holmes is not the mystery, is not is not the blueprint for the for these mysteries. No, it is much more, much, 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 much more in common with. Um, the like Hercule Poirot, Hercule Hercule Poirot, um, detective stories from uh, Agatha Christie. Yeah, I mean that's what Ryan said. He said he was really inspired by Agatha Christie's work. And and Poirot has a different. There are char- like he meet he'll meet the same person multiple times sometimes. Sometimes that'll be part of the like di- the the pressure of the dynamic is that oh that's a character from like four books ago that he's met already because he's running in a lot of these like highbrow, high society circles. But like Poirot interacted with different people and he had a different assistant. Right. In pretty much all of his stories. Like he didn't have a wall because here's the thing, here's like part of the function that Watson serves for Sherlock as a character is that Sherlock Holmes is not 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 quite as aggressively antisocial as he tends to be depicted as nowadays. But like Sherlock Holmes is kind of an introverted, probably autistic, antisocial weirdo, mm-hmm. and Watson is like much more personable. 
like Watts, part of the purpose Watson serves in terms of like his dynamic with Sherlock is that he is good with people and ingratiating himself to people to help them put up with Sherlock. Benoit Blanc doesn't need that. No. He's already personable and charming. Very charming. <laughs> he doesn't need a consistent Watson who's like this grounding element in his life. He doesn't need that. He's a grounded character already. Um, so like, it's just, it's just not necessary. And it's kind of, it almost disappoints me to see that. First of all, because it was, people were making the exact same take about Anna de, Anna de Armas mm-hmm. after the first movie came out. But also it's just like, it's, I'm like, why can't we appreciate that this is a different thing? Why do you need to make this Sherlock Holmes? Right. <laughs> I think the strength of them, too, is that the, both films feel different. I mean, similar, right? But they're, like, very different. Right. They hit similar beats, in, but they they do different things with those beats, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. also, can I just say, I'm surprised that this movie had a reference to Among Us that didn't make me cringe. So. It was good. Oh, I love that. This is such a great little character building bit. He's, I just love that. He's ben so Wong bored Wong. because of the pandemic. And the fact that he doesn't like these fucking like mystery video games or board because he doesn't like Clue either. So. Yeah. Well, and also just that he's, and he's just casually best friends with Angela Lansbury and Stephen Sondheim and Natasha Leone and oh, yeah. <laughs> Great cameos in that bit. <laughs> it's so fucking random. <laughs> and it's great. Well, I mean, he is kind of famous. I know, and that's a detail you forget? Yeah. Well, because he doesn't act like the rest of the famous people. <laughs> Elsa's husband is Hugh Grant. Yeah. Yeah. I love that bit. <laughs> Not in the okay. That was so relatable to me because when I'm when my depression gets really really bad, I I take a lot of baths. <laughs> <laughs> Especially during COVID, I would take like three baths a day. So I had nothing else to do. I mean, you, you just seemed like you was staying in there. I know. I was like, oh, my God. I wanted to, like, fuck. That was me. <laughs> That's understandable. Hey, two movies on this podcast talking about the pandemic. Yeah. Nice. Um. So, yes. Well, so, I basically. Go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say, I think, I think Rain Johnson did such a good, like, I think better than any other writer has to up until this point of like utilizing the status of the pandemic in his writing in a way that like is very informing of the characters. That's true. It communicated a lot. Oh hell, even what the ma- what masks they wore when they first met says a lot. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I was watching the video on YouTube of his breakdown of the scene. So he was talking about, like, the mask that he chose for each character and, like, why that, like, 
makes sense. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, take with that as you will. <laughs> and then they quickly found a way to be like, oh, yeah, this magic thing will make you not have to wear a mask the rest of the movie. Don't question it. And I'm fine with that. I am fine with that. No, well, because that's, that's the thing. The the, like, you can't ask your actors to act in a mask the entire movie. Right. It, no, it worked. It was fine. They found a way to utilize it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. As long as everyone was actually COVID safe while making that movie. Yes. That is that is very important. Um, so I think we all give it our seal of approval, right? Yes, 100%. Yeah. Go see Glass Onion. Go see the new Puss in Boots movie because I heard it's good. Um, I heard Megan's good. Oh, yeah, I heard that one's good. Maybe that's what I'll do tomorrow. I'll do a double feature of Megan and Puss in Boots. Look, that's a good every, idea. Look, every time I see I see anything for the movie Megan, all I think is just a clip of Drake and Josh where they're just look, squinting and going, Megan! <laughs> I am heartbroken. Quentin Reviews did not get to a million subscribers by the end of 2022. And we aren't going to get a Drake and Josh video. God damn it. I'm so upset. <laughs> I'll, I'll just have to watch many of the other hours-long videos on Dan Schneider shows. <laughs> He might still do it at some point. He might, I bet he'll make it a Patreon goal at some point. Probably. If enough people ask for it, which they will. Yeah, so we'll have to see. I've been listening to... Because well, I don't have time to sit and watch his videos. I mainly like put them on while I'm doing other things. I don't uh, think anybody has the time to watch any of his eight-hour retrospectives in one day. I still haven't finished the iCarly one. And I'm like six hours into that, and I'm just like, I don't even really care about iCarly. Why am I watching this? <laughs> I don't even really care about this show. I just like I watching know. long, I just like long form video essays of people talking about things I normally don't give a shit about. I watched this three and a, three to four hour long video on Fred. Same, and I don't even, I didn't even give a shit about Fred. Listen, I watched all of, I am of, I watched all of these shows as a child. All of them. I watched Drake and Josh and iCarly, but I didn't watch anything after that, so. I was 90s, so that, mine was like, all of that and Keenan and Kel and a little bit older stuff. Hey, remember when they rebooted iCarly and it went off like a fart in church? I don't either. I think that the iCarly reboot would have been received more positively if not for the timing of Jeanette of the announcement for Jeanette McCurdy's book. Um, and that book was phenomenal, by the way. But it's everybody should read. I'm not saying that as a. <laughs> I still need to read it. I'm not really complaining about that. I just mean like I think that that sparked. I think that maybe people felt a little bit less comfy. Yeah, because that book is very uncomfortable. <laughs> as it's fantastic. I really, really recommend it. I especially recommend after reading the book, I really recommend watching Jeanette McCurdy's interview with Drew Barrymore. I think I saw that one. I, I watched the 
the red table talk with Jeanette McCurdy? Because mm-hmm. that was really good. They had a therapist on that. I think, because I just, Drew Barrymore, I, probably more so than any other, like, talk show host, was really able to, on the level, with Jeanette about being like, look, I would, like, she went through basically all of the exact same shit. And I think she really, just really understood. Alright. Um, no, I, I will definitely go back and watch that video. I, I remember saying it. Drew is, Drew is fantastic, so. <laughs> Um, with that in mind, I think we're running. I mean, it's good. We started off with a long one for uh, for the beginning of the new year. I'm very excited for what's to come. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on definitely us getting some uh, some cool guests. So sounds good. Be on the lookout for that. And with that said, um, do you guys want to plug? What do you need to plug? Um, you can follow me at Lizzie Lemon Drop on Twitter or the Final Whore on TikTok, where I talk about basically all this same shit. You can follow me at Lady Jazzington on Twitter, as well as subscribe to me, uh, uh, subscribe to Jazzy Oliver on YouTube. Uh, you can also you can also check out stuff I'm in, including the horror game Deadly Night or the animated series Inanimate Insanity, uh, available on Steam and YouTube, respectively. And you can follow me on Twitter at CrystalWRocks with a C-H-R-Y, just so you know how to spell that. Um, and, yeah, you can, in my bio, I have a link tree that has a link to, like, all my social media stuff. So go and find me and do the things. Um, thank you for listening to the first of this year's Gals of Geekdom podcast episodes. We'll see you on the next one. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Wait, no, I said it wrong. Bye!